You're listening to Car Free Midwest. We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around the Midwest without a car. Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency. I'm Sarah Johnson. And I'm Joshua LeBure. And And this this is Car Free Midwest. Hey! Maybe it's because we're in the same room. See, we're in person now, and now we're in sync. It's going to be beautiful. Hello, everyone. This is Car Free Midwest, like we just said. Just in case you didn't know, this is Car Free Midwest. It's Car Free Midwest. Yeah. Uh, so this is our first episode recording in person, because yeah. we are vaccinated. The sun is shining. Sarah, tell us about the weather. <laughs> I know. That's that's my cue to talk about how nice it is outside. Although now I'm looking at you and the computer instead of out my back window to my backyard but i still know that it's nice outside you could pivot you know ah blue sky oh look at that blue sky (laughs) the trees are not swaying in the wind it seems like i should have went on a bike ride today instead of yesterday i was kicking myself i drove here (laughs) because i have to go like to Mm -hmm. eight million other places after this and pick up a bunch of stuff and it's all over town but you are a hypocrite i know i know i was like this is dumb i should be on my bicycle right now i I, I like waved at the lane on 32nd ave as i drove by it and And then then it disappeared out of nowhere right exactly (laughs) as they do in omaha it's like oh a bike lane it goes nowhere cool (laughs) oh man that bike lane i don't know if i ever told you about the saga on Uh -uh. 32nd ave holy shit that might be a different oops see it makes me cuss already we can't talk about it (laughs) that's a that's a that should be an episode on its own and we should bring in like old school mode shifters who like literally were in tears about that situation actually we could bring in mike battershell who probably is not listening but is still a good buddy of mine um who advocated for slowing down traffic on 32nd ave because he had a little kid a couple little kids and they wanted to play with their friends on the other side of 32nd ave and were scared to cross the street so it was this whole big thing about lane diets and the city gave back federal money it's a whole nightmare it's real wow yeah yeah. They're like, we don't want your money to make our city better. Correct. We want to stay the same. Yes, please. No change. Change is scary. Change is bad. Yeah, I would love to talk about that, especially because this is my neighborhood. Yeah. And I do use that bike lane. It is, it's fairly nice, actually, except in the winter, they don't really plow it. So that kind of mm-hmm. sucks. So then you just have to ride in the road anyway. It, 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 it would be interesting to learn just as someone who lives in this neighborhood and knows nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> and was... I keep meeting people who are like, I grew up in that neighborhood and we used to go to this place. And, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. A little, like, little more history about your backyard. I know. It's kind of, yeah. it's nice to learn. I would also love to know the story about the first bike paths and stuff that were in town because we deli- I live like two blocks from the Field Club Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Old um, railroad. Most of, most oh. of that one is. That Actually, sense. I was just on a call... Um, Boy, I don't even know what day it is. Maybe two days ago. Today's... With, it doesn't matter. I think it's Thursday. I hope you're right. No, it's Friday. Oh, today's Friday. It's Friday. You're right. Although... See? Who knows? Listeners, we don't know what day it'll be when you're listening, so don't get confused. It's probably not going to be Friday. I used to blame because I was just in my house all the time, and now I'm blaming that I'm out and about all the time. So I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand days. I feel like that is one of the things that the pandemic has done is just like scramble everyone's sense of time Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm not sure if we're gonna get that one back i was also just reading about how um post-pandemic the things that we should keep are less office hours the availability to access things via zoom um and i don't remember what the other one was but mostly everything's different now and there's some stuff that we shouldn't go back to yeah i mean i totally agree and those are some of the things i have some anxiety about because they are things that i'm like it was nice that you were able to regulate your time more and not feel like you had to be doing everything all the time but that's already out the window for me yeah 
And I know it is for you too. Yeah. Oh, it's so bonkers. I can't wait till May 12th. Yeah. Take a dang breath. I I just realized I've said yes to so many projects over the summer that I just can't wait for summer to be over already. Oh, that's a weird one. Because I'm so looking forward to summer and now it's like, well, yeah, because now I'm just like so busy already. And I just know I'm going to be traveling a lot and I'm just going to have to be really intentional about scheduling my time, which I'm terrible at. Do you use like Google Calendar or anything? Yeah. Do you yeah. schedule in time for yourself specifically? Uh, I, I try to schedule bike rides, but I never follow it. There was a, like, right when the campaign craziness kicked off, I was scheduling Sarah, eat, because I was forgetting to eat, because oh. it's just like 24-7, you're doing something. Yeah. And so then I kind of got in the habit of, like, just putting things in my calendar that's like, do nothing right now. And just like, ah, thank you, past me. Oh, that's thinking nice. out for, for present me, who needs a freaking break. I think I need to use, have you heard of Calendly? I think I need to use that more, but I digress. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah this is the crazy stuff about the pandemic. And and unfortunately, some of the good stuff that we should keep, Omaha just never did. <laughs> Golly, I know. That is, I mean, not to just always be a bummer, but man, we missed the boat. And I don't even like, you know, calling it an opportunity because that feels like it minimizes some of the, mm-hmm. you know, death and destruction that came from the of pandemic. Course. But holy moly, we really should have done things differently to adapt and create places outside for folks, not yeah. just in cars. I think about like when I went to go visit uh, Denver, because I have to bring it Ding, up. Denver, but when I was uh, going on a bike ride and, and you cross through like this little uh, downtown area on the way to Lookout Mountain. Um, so I was riding through and I noticed, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on here before, but they closed one of the lanes, uh, turned it into a complete bike lane, a two-way bike lane, and then they made the road one way. And then where the parking used to be was all they made outdoor seating for the bars and stuff. Ugh, yes, and like that kind of please. stuff, I think was like amazing, and they should keep because yes. it it makes those areas more vibrant. There's Absolutely. more people hanging out outside. There's people riding their bikes by. They're noticing the businesses. Yes. And people, when people go more slowly through a business district, they're more inclined to stop and look around and spend money. So it's not only just like a good thing for mental health, it's good for business. So I feel like that's always the thing in Omaha. You have to convince people why it makes sense financially. Yeah. It just can't be a good idea because it's like the right thing to do. But it also, that doesn't work here either. I know. I'm trying to figure out a way to make it make sense. <laughs> like, I feel like you hear stories about like a small town in Texas switched to wind energy because they realized they could save X amount of dollars on their government electrical bill or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you you hear stories about them closing off streets completely to cars yeah. in like New York and bigger cities and those areas becoming like way more vibrant hubs for all the businesses that are there. And it's like great for the economy. Yep. Uh, you hear stories about huge amounts of bike infrastructure that bring people to like neighborhoods that maybe are like forgotten and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it like revitalizes them in a way that's not just, you know, giving tax (sighs) credits to giant businesses. You're actually like building infrastructure as well for people. And all of those things work and the data is there and the science or it's, I guess, is that science? I don't know. Sure. (laughs) The data is there. Uh, we know it works. The economics makes sense. Uh, yet we can't convince people uh, to act to act right and I feel like it's a certain type of person I don't think it's anything inherently like Omaha uh, or Nebraska but unfortunately Nebraska for a long time has just attracted that type of person (laughs) I know whereas like other cities those types of people are kind of being overruled by the incoming fresh ideas fresh ideas yeah 
uh, and I think of, I mean, I have to think of Denver because, I mean, I, I know I talk about it a lot, but when I first moved there, it wasn't very different than here. When I first moved there in like 2007, there wasn't a lot of bike lanes and, and a lot of the revitalized areas and stuff were, and there's a lot of problems. I mean, there's been a lot of gentrification sure. yeah. and a lot of horrible violence from the Denver Police Department, especially towards homeless communities. And my, my point is, though, that we can fight for the good changes and also recognize like the mistakes that those cities have made. It's called learning. Exactly. I don't know why we can't freaking do it <laughs> yeah. in Omaha. I'm like, we don't, you know, when the, so the Harney street uh, lane passed as a pilot. Now they're like, well, it has to be a pilot because we have to figure out how to remove snow from it. I guess we talked about this maybe a little bit last time, but it still blows my mind. We don't have to, we don't have to study it because we know how, because we should be able to learn from other communities who are already doing it successfully. People are talking about transportation in Omaha in a way that I haven't seen, I feel like, before. I mean, and I know you're newer to Omaha, but I've only been back for about, gosh, I guess, oh, I used to say like nine or ten years, and now it's like more than that. But anyway, I don't think that I've heard it dominate the news cycle like it has been over the last even six months. Um, so I think that that's a little bit inspiring and a little bit, you know makes me sort of hopeful yeah i do think we should talk about that because i think uh at all of the i've been at a couple of debates where the mayor was there and she is being you know pressed on transportation and stuff more and she's being forced to say that we're gonna do more and you know uh city council candidates are pretending like they're been really into bikes and <laughs> and one of our mayoral candidates is like you know sending out pictures of him on a bike he had yeah uh rj which you know say what you will about rj but it, it was kind of cool i mean i'm pretty sure that's the first time a mayoral candidate ever had um i almost said a cartoon an advertisement like a campaign video on tv with him on a bike i thought that was like again i'm i don't know i'm just bummed that i haven't seen it yet what kind there. of biking what kind he's of he's all kitted out and like he's not riding bikes for transportation which is a bummer i thought that yeah. was a missed opportunity like all right rj if you want to talk about bikes as transportation probably don't be in head-to-toe lycra like maybe that would be yeah. something you could think about but obviously know, he those does pictures ride for... are reserved for my instagram mm. <laughs> yeah 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 he's just i mean i realize that like about... technically i'm in the middle age so i'm technically now a middle-aged man in lycra oh I'm, mammal. I'm a mammal yeah special <laughs> Yeah. Um, but at least I have a really cool hip collared shirt jersey on the way, so I'm going to be styling. Totally. totally <laughs> I don't know the last time I've worn a chamois or like a jersey. Eh, I have a wool jersey. I have a lot of wool jerseys. Half of them have uh, Omaha Bicycle Company on them. And I wear those because those are like cozy to coffee rides and stuff. But yeah. an actual like kit. No, I don't know the last time <laughs> I've, I've done that. But I am going to I'm going to try to ride. With y'all on some sort of a Saturday roadie ride. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Slowly. We're all slow. That's good. It's interesting, like, after, you know, not riding anything but an electric bike for years now with all my health crap, and I'm feeling good enough, I'm, like, interested in trying to get back on two wheels without a motor, but I'm also a little bit, like, anxious about it. It's weird. Because, yeah. you know, it's always just been, like, second nature to just jump on a bike and not think about it, and now it's like, ooh, 
it just I appreciate the perspective shift actually because like I know a little bit what it must feel like for folks that have never gone on a group ride and think they're too slow or think that they shouldn't go because they won't they'll be the last one you know I, I used to hear that all the time when we lead group rides out of the old shop and I was, I was like no no you won't be the last one and even if you are who cares someone has to be last no big deal and now I'm like ooh, I feel that anxiety like I understand that perspective now so I'm grateful for that I guess but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting I'm hosting a group run this week. Oh, run. And I've decided I'm going to put running off for a long time because I keep hurting my knee. And so now I'm like, do I run and I'm the guy in the back, even though I'm hosting the group run? Or do I just go out on my bicycle and tell everybody where to go? (laughs) Uh Either way. I think it's an interesting um, idea. I mean, I guess... Sometimes when when we would do group rides, we'd have like you know someone in the front and someone in the back, so you can yeah. just find someone who wants to lead it, and you can be the back, the sweeper. I think I'm going to be yeah. the sweeper. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Or just like f running, man. Like my hip, I can't even with like lit drop routes. We tried to do two back to back the other day, Scott and I. I got through one, and we got maybe ten houses into the second route of fifty, and I was like, no, my hip is not interested in this. Like it was not good. It's just such a dumb deal i think i might have to go to physical therapy no well i know whatever we'll see yeah. but also just lit drops are dumb and i'm over it <laughs> but running no ride bikes man i went on a ride in like a longer ride the other day and i was like i don't feel like being in a kit today and i went out in like regular shorts and stuff my butt hurt mm-hmm. longer rides you know like there's i used definitely... to be so good I used to be like, I used to go on like 40 mile rides in just jeans and on a track bike. (laughs) Oh, different times. Yeah, that's too many seams in places. Why could I do that? Yeah. Because you were like young and invincible. Yeah. Now I'm like, I like my chamois. Yeah. I saw this one company, Squid Bikes. They make Dickies pants with a chamois sewn into it. Oh, funny. They don't have my size, but I was like, maybe I should just buy some just chamois and like sew them into some pants for whenever. Or just those liner shorts. I I feel like the the quality on those the yeah. chamois itself is never that good. But no. just throw on a regular pair of shorts that you like underneath. That's true. Something else. I don't know, but then you're all sweaty. Whatever. I'm also just like embracing the fact that like if I look ridiculous, then I look ridiculous. It is what it is. I'll wear my bib shorts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. yeah, and that's. I mean, I guess something we've talked about before is just like just ride your bike who cares what also i have a problem with like having a giant butt and so <laughs> like if i wear regular shorts sometimes my butt crack peaks out too much on my bike so when i discovered bib ride. shorts yeah. i was like this is like made for me yeah yeah people get real <laughs> jazzed about bib shorts it's good to each their own find what works for you and ride yeah exactly but yeah when i'm riding like 45 miles or something i'm not gonna try to do it without a chamois anymore yeah fair I did 40 miles yesterday, and it was the first time I've, like, the past couple weeks have been the first time I've done rides over, like, 30 miles in, like, a couple years, and it was, like... Felt good? It felt really good. Nice. It felt so good. So, I've ridden, like, every day this week, and it's been really nice. So, back to what you were talking about with um, the election, you know, and, and your perspective that more and more people are talking about transportation, like, besides those two examples I gave, like, what are you seeing? I mean, I think that every city council district is talking about transportation whether it's you know extension of orbit routes or just better bus service in general or connectivity when it comes to like sidewalks or just i mean you know everyone's talking also about the 200 million dollar street bond that we just passed and what that is going to look like and what it could have looked like um but i just think the fact that you know mode shift 
Omaha is getting a lot of publicity right now too, and rightly so. Like we're we're part of the conversation drivers for the last decade. So we are grateful that we have been finally getting that conversation highlighted a little bit more. And yeah, it's just with the Harney Street bike lane, that was just one little piece of it. Um, but it's it's just feels exciting that it's coming from all angles now. And actually, depending on if you're a Patreon listener and you're you're hearing this on Monday, you should go. There's a mayoral forum, candidate forum at the Omaha Community Playhouse on Tuesday, May 4th uh, at seven o'clock. And Mode Shift is providing bike valet parking there actually at the at the playhouse. So it's going to be just the two mayoral candidates and it's going to be like neighborhood and transportation focused and we actually were able to help um with some of the questions and uh, it's kind of a big partnership with omaha by design and bike walk nebraska and b cycle and a bunch of other partners but it's really just about land use and housing and transportation so it'll be a good good opportunity to hear what they have to say and it'll be recorded and streamed and everything too so if you don't want to go you can stream it or watch it later what changes do you think can be made Well, I think that we have so much room for improvement. And I think, you know, what's exciting is people are talking about it. What's not exciting is there's no action behind it. And what's also not exciting is talk is cheap. Like if you get elected, we are going to hold you accountable to those words that you put on your damn mailers and in your commercials and, and, and. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm just so sick of having a conversation about something for 10 years. We really need leadership that can actually get in there and make some changes happen so that we have bike ra- bike lanes to ride and sidewalks that connect and painted crosswalks and stuff that seems basic but is not. Yeah, it seems uniquely pathetic to be talking about one bike lane for this long. Yeah. I mean, it's. I feel sometimes like, you know, being in the midst of all this for so long, I feel like, am I crazy? Like, is this absurd? Or am I just like really frustrated? <laughs> it's but, super absurd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 years for one pilot. Yeah. Like literally, I have so many friends that are in the bike community that do, you know, uh, that work in bike advocacy in Colorado and in Denver. And and when COVID hit and they, you know, got together with the cities and did those changes so fast. It's That's just what like a pilot my, I didn't even hear about it. And yeah. and I have friends that work in these organizations that, you know, work for B cycle, they work at bike shops, they and you know, nobody was really even talking about it. It was just kind of like, of, of course, course this happened. Yeah, of course this is what you should do. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, and now it's like now the weather's nice again, you know. We still need to have places outside for people. We know that trail use is more than doubled. We know all of this information that points to people are like clamoring for more spaces outside. And I think, you know, I was actually part of a phone call last night with the Douglas um, County commissioners talking about mental health. They had like a, a listening session, which I thought was really a good idea because it was partially just cathartic for folks to be able to like dial, well, dial in, I don't know, zoom in and talk about what types of issues they're facing. But mental health is the next pandemic, you know, like I Mm -hmm. think that we really need to be getting on top of that right now. And we know that creating places outside for folks is very beneficial to your mental health. And I think that it's like, eh, I don't know, it's not too late, but it's like almost too late. We just need to be doing something about it instead of continuing to just chit chat. This article that came out on Bloomberg um called what happened to pickup trucks and it's basically about the deadly rise of larger and larger trucks like high rise like like trucks on rises like these giant trucks you see of these dudes that are like oftentimes like just driving through the city rolling coal (laughs) and like picking on cyclists but these are like the people that 
you know, these, these trucks are on the rise and we're going from the, the article just talks about how we're going from trucks being like a utility where, you know, they needed them to load stuff in. People use them for work. My dad built houses for a living and his truck was always beat up and covered in dust, but now it's kind of becoming more of a status symbol. Totally. And the trucks are getting bigger. They're not really being used as utility. They are status symbols. Yeah, exactly. And but with that, like these huge lifted trucks that are kind of on the rise are actually uh, leading to more deadly traffic accidents. Mm -hmm. Crashes. Um, Yeah. And not only to pedestrians, but also to all road users. Yeah. I mean, they're killing people in cars more because the trucks are trucks are um, lifted. And also there is a. Uh, article in here i mean there's large pickup trucks and suvs are notably more lethal to other road users and their conquest of the u.s roads has accompanied been accompanied by a spike in fatalities among pedestrians and cyclists and that was from our article uh right of way race class and the silent epidemic of pedestrian deaths in america and i think this is just an important conversation to have because as cyclists you know we have a particular antagonism to cars you know and a particular like aversion to people that are just it's defense yeah defense for your life i mean it's like yes it's an aversion but it's because well yeah that's what i mean it's like it's more of a we have a learned response exactly and but i think that it it rarely is talked about in the sense of just pedestrians people walking you know like these huge trucks have giant blind spots so it's also more dangerous for people in smaller cars if you're like a person driving in a regular like you know honda civic yeah reasonable sedan you know you're way out of somebody's like line of sight yeah yeah these new ones are so wild because the the front end i think and that's like the most drastic difference when you see a comparison of like a truck from the 70s or 80s i used to have like an early 90s mazda pickup truck um which was great for hauling bikes you know like i had it when i was at the shop and i really would just use it to like cart around bikes um and it it was like a sedan in the front with a with a truck bed on the back you know it was like lower to the ground so you actually were not mowing over children without seeing them and now these new trucks are the front end is so tall it's just absurd i don't understand why it needs to be like the what is that called the grill on the front is just like four feet tall it's absurd i i don't know i feel like that's something that um it just for also for some reason this is making me think of um, a conversation I've had a lot of times with folks, you know, when I was selling a lot of electric bicycles, like, oh, well, they're dangerous if they go faster than 20 miles an hour and they're like trying to put speed limiters and stuff on electric bikes. It's like, if we want to talk about what's actually dangerous, uh, these giant things. And also, why don't cars have speed limiters? I don't know. There's just so many. Well, I know why. It's because the auto industry has mega bucks in lobbying and they can do whatever they want. But it's just, you know, if you actually look at the root cause of a lot of these issues, there's ways around it if we had the willpower. Yeah. And I think a lot of the the things that we're trying to fight against just come from a lack of political imagination. And I think there's a quote, I forgot who said it. I read it somewhere and I wish I could figure, like, remember who said it, but it was basically like political failure is a lack of imagination. Totally. And I think that that's where America is right now yeah. uh, in general. And I think that that is really where this city that we live in and, and you know, love to an extent yeah. <laughs> is... Uh, is having a problem. Um, but also, you know, cause I think that the specific patriarchal capitalism, the toxic masculinity is what is leading to the rise in overdoses and the rise in, um, suicides among, amongst, you know, even white men. 
and also it's the rise of these trucks that are also killing other people and it's like this article makes this i like this argument against like petro masculinity which i don't even think you really have to read the article to understand what they're saying because <laughs> i feel like there's this weird sense with these new trucks they have these almost like um you know, you've seen these grills, you know, like it just says dodge across it really big. That's a warning. Dodge. Yeah. It, seriously, it almost looks like the, even the Ford ones just huge, you know, across the whole grill. And it's almost like it almost is like a warning. It's you a know? billboard. Yeah. yeah. And it's like uh, there's something violent about it. It almost feels like a, I mean, it feels like these trucks are like made to be weapons and it, and it just reminds me of Oklahoma just passing that new law that basically protects drivers who quote unquote unintentionally run over protesters or kill protesters oh, and it reminds like it just reminds me of like it's almost like the weaponization of vehicles vehicles absolutely yeah I mean that's I mean you're protected if you run someone over in a car that's yeah. so messed up in this age where we're reading stories about these giant trucks like being more deadly than ever and yeah. And in an era where in the last few years we've seen protesters getting run over yep. and, and you know, uh, and killed in Charlottesville yeah. and in other places. Yeah. You know what else this reminds me of is uh, just to tie in trucks and Colorado, Josh. Um, did you ever see... I hate see... that I talk about Colorado yeah. so much, but what, what are Whatever. you supposed to do? Whatever. You live somewhere yeah. for 20 years. It's your perspective. <laughs> it's, it's the way you see it. It's totally yeah. fine. And, and again, it comes down to I saw it as a city with no bike lanes with uh, a bunch with a Republican governor and not that the Democrats are that much better. Cause I have plenty of shit to talk about John Hickenlooper and his fracking friends. But anyway, oh. and you um, watched it turn into a better city and I watched it turn into in some ways a better city and yeah. in some ways a way worse city because of yeah. the revitalization and a lot of the good things that happen, you know, it pushed a lot of the people of color out. It made it a more expensive city, and it's yeah. almost impossible to live there unless you're yeah. rich. Yeah. That's, and yeah. how do we do this in Omaha? This is like what is interesting to me because I feel like we have a clean slate here. We can look at cities like San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, in these cities that did do good things, like those bigger cities I mentioned, but they did it at the expense of uh, communities of color and poorer people and immigrant communities. How do we do that in this city and do it better? And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Because how do we build all those beautiful, great things without pushing out the people that have already lived here? Well, we'll harken back to a previous episode when we talked to Manny Cook, who showed us how he's doing it better. And I'm so grateful for his work. And that is really an exciting project that's going to connect to the pedestrian bridge, you know, all through North Omaha. That is a big deal. And then the Beltline Trail is also in the works. That's going to be really good. Um, I was talking with UNMC a few mornings ago about the Field Club Trail extension project that they're working towards that will actually from the north end of the field club trail which right now it's terminus is at leavenworth it'll actually shoot over leavenworth street into the unmc campus connect over through um, blackstone to harney down to the protected lane so that'd be very helpful because yeah. that's like one place that i always have to navigate like how i want to ride yeah you know yeah, you when i get tic tac yeah. through yeah it could be better and it will be better and yeah. that's good and it, again you know that's an example of unmc a private entity doing the work so Oof, slow. But what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to talk about how when I lived in Colorado, a lot of the big trucks out there had cattle guards on the front of them because, and it wasn't really just for cattle. It was like, you know, if you're driving in the mountains, you're probably going to hit a deer at some point. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, that's kind of what, what needs to happen in Nebraska is like 
cyclist guards on the front of the trucks don't damage that nice grill right if you hit a hit a protester or a person on a bike but <laughs> i will say too in colorado like trucks are a huge problem you know mm-hmm. and and we had a problem where they had to make rolling coal illegal because there was this like horrible yeah. trend of dudes getting these trucks that blow out black smoke on purpose yeah and pulling up next to cyclists and blowing black smoke Leaving all over them in a cloud yeah, yeah so bad so as much as like you know, we could complain about Nebraska and stuff. Every city that I know of is surrounded by places with people that are just generally kind of backwards, unfortunately. And that's, you know, like as much as we talk about the equipment, it's really just comes down to the user and it's road etiquette in general. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it's just, I wish people were more respectful. For I mean, I honestly have had horrible experiences with uh you know people in priuses cutting me off and almost killing me it's true (laughs) that's exactly right is like it really just comes down to who's behind the wheel or behind the handlebars too you know because there's there's jerks in all types of vehicles yeah and i do say that like you know a jerk on a bike isn't going to kill someone in a car that's the truth yep exactly it becomes a lot more deadly when you are having a bad day behind the wheel of a 250 totally and I think that's the big, that's the other big problem with the bigger trucks is like, it, I think it's the idea of someone in a place where it's hard to get a gun goes on a knife spree. They do hurt people and people, you know, will die, but they won't die as quickly as if somebody goes in with an AK. Totally. You yeah. know, it's, it's like harm reduction. Yeah. Cause we're never going to get to a perfect society, but right. how can we like protect more, the most amount of lives? Yeah. And I don't know what to say about the trucks. Like, I don't have any solutions. I don't think that it's going to be, I don't think we're going to ever have any kind of ban on, right. on Big those trucks that already exist. Tall bumpers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I know just there's, interesting to point out yeah, the difference over the years. Totally. I do think that it's about having these conversations though, and just making it really lame and uncool to like drive a big truck like that and changing the culture. Yeah. And pick the right tool for the job. If you're just driving around the city, like you probably don't need a giant truck like that. Yeah. Well, like I wouldn't even want to. No. Well, yeah, we're not the people we're talking. Well, yeah, but like I've driven, these are the people that my brother used to work for the city of uh, Denver in doing parking permits. Mm. And these are the people that would come in and just complain that they don't have enough parking on their street. And you're like, yeah, well, get a car that fits on your street. (laughs) Maybe get a smart car. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. (laughs) You know, cause, cause these people, they want to live in the city and they also want to have a giant truck and they also want to, you know, it's like, you have to be realistic, you know? Um, and you live in a society and it's not just about you. And I think that's what it all comes down to is, Mm -hmm. uh, you live in a society and it's not, just what you want all the time think outside of yourself yeah yep that's a tough one to get across sometimes and the crazy thing is is like you know we're talking about you know i i talk about like cars being lame in the sense of like gas and stuff like that and like you know maybe we need more electric cars and stuff but a lot of these companies are coming out with giant versions of electric trucks that look just like the other ones so yeah and even electric cars period you know there's um and again, it's better than only always gas-powered everything. Yeah, and more studies are coming out that say even if you charge your car in a place that's primarily run by coal, it's still better for the environment than a gas car. Sure. My but, point is land use is still yeah, a problem. Exactly. If everyone's, you know, picture all of us driving electric cars, it's still going to tear up the roads. Yeah. It's still, you know, it only tackles one very specific problem instead and, of actually a holistic transportation network. And if everyone is like... Uh, you know, like I want an electric car, but I want to feel kind of manly, so I should get an electric giant truck. Mm-hmm. Also, you're sick. still gonna have huge blind spots, and you're still gonna be a danger to people on the road, and you're still going to be taking up way more than your space that you need in your city. Mm-hmm.
When is the first city gonna happen that bans cars in the city? Isn't there, what is that island? Is it Mackinac Island where you can't, I don't think you can drive on that island. And you can't even have electric bikes. I actually, yeah, I think it is Mackinac Island. Interesting. Yeah, where they don't allow any cars, which I was like, that's rad. And they, like, everyone there gets around on bike. And then I read, oh, you can't have an electric bike. And I'm like, oh, but that's a bummer because, again, coming at it from like the disability perspective, that is actually really a mobility aid for a lot of folks but yeah i don't think people are thinking about that yet no no people right now when they hear e-bikes are just thinking lazy people that don't want to pedal i know and i want to stab those people i know let's talk about e-bikes yeah because i'm honestly having this like inner turmoil in a sense where i'm like i'm pro e-bikes i'm pro other people riding e-bikes i i love that they're there and i'm a able-bodied person i can ride very far and I have lived, you know, in times where I've had no car for over a decade. And I would like to get there again. And then thinking about it, now I'm in this like weird spot where I'm like, Omaha gets so windy. And hilly and hot. Dude, just get an e-bike. And I'm you like, will not regret it. I promise you. I know. But I don't, <laughs> I don't want to fall in love with it more than I like love real bikes. I think that there can be a balance. That's what I'm shooting for Or maybe for I shouldn't now. say real bikes, but yeah, not yeah. e-bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> e-bikes are real bikes. And I think, I mean, the thing that I love about e-bikes is it just opens up possibilities for so many folks who mm. didn't have that. You know, it just wouldn't be like Scott, for example, my husband, very able-bodied. He's, you know, old school skateboarder, like crazy person all over the place. Doesn't like to pedal a bicycle without a motor. Could, hates it. And he had, he had just like a... But see, I do love it. Yeah. I love pedaling without a motor. Yeah. Yeah, well, then you probably still will, but you will love pedaling with a motor as well. Like, I think that you'll choose different bikes for different trips. And that's like, that's what I'm hoping to get back to. Like, I'm not feeling great in the gut department today, which is a bummer. But um, I think that I am aiming for kind of a hybrid life again of like, not again, for the first time. It's kind of exciting to think, oh, sometimes I'll choose a bike that's just, you know, for fun, no motor, just, you know, for a pleasure cruise type of a situation. But these days, most of my pedaling is for utility. So it just makes most sense for me to use the electric bike. And, oh, actually, do you want to just, okay, so I got to figure out, first of all, I have to put new tires on it and give it a little tune up, but I'm helping a friend sell his e-bike. He just moved to Chicago because everyone fucking leaves Omaha. <sighs> anyway, so I'm going to be selling an e-bike for him soon. And it's going to be probably like around 700 bucks, depending on if I have to do new tires or if it just needs new tubes anyway, and what I'll have to put into it. But it's a Blix throttle power bike that would be just a teaser for you. You could just test it and see. I have ridden e-bikes around. I know, but have you had one for a couple days to actually put into practice? They're super fun. Yeah. I rode a e-mountain bike, one of the Trek, like full suspension yeah. e-mountain bikes. I rode it around the neighborhood at the bike shop I work yeah. at, <laughs> and it was super fun. Nice. And I tested out also one of the e-road bikes that Cannondale makes that mm -hmm. are like, they're like 28 pounds. Yeah, and bonkers. They, you can't even tell It was so fast. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Like rocket ships. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is like a, you know, just a commuter type bike. Yeah, totally. Fender, rack, utilitarian. That's, I just, I don't know. I yeah. get real jazzed about city My bikes. My big thing is like, I just have expensive tastes and I really want like a Reese and Mueller. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going bike. to Madison. And it's like $7,000 and I'm yeah. like, uh. Yeah. And then that thing like pops in my head where I'm like, I could buy a car for that. And I'm like, but I don't want the a car. Point is, no this cars, is the point. No cars. 
car culture. Oh, it's so toxic. I know. It's so bad. And it happened. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah. But I do think I'm going to go the e-cargo bike route. Yeah. Because to me, that makes the most sense mm-hmm. for what I need it to do. Yeah. I wouldn't care about a cargo bike, honestly, because I could take my wife's car to the grocery store. You know, I've been there before. I've bought $150 worth of groceries and put it in my backpack and right. ridden it on a track bike across yeah, the city. It's doable. I've carried yeah. ladders across the city. Yeah. But the big thing is, is now I'm a freelance filmmaker and I need to be able to get to places with tripods, with lights, with um, my camera. Safely. Uh, yeah, yeah. My microphone setup. Like I need to get it all into a place safely. Yeah. And I need to do it even if it's raining. Right. Yeah. Um, so the only solution I can think of is either getting a regular like e-bike or regular bike mm-hmm. in general and just like figuring out a way to strap. Trailers, dude. Have you ever, I've got, uh, I think right now we have three trailers at home, maybe just two. No, three, no. Anyway, we've got trailers. That's yeah. the other thing. Like I like with my e-bike, I like throwing a trailer on the back, especially with the campaign lately. I've just had like a trailer all the time on the back, whether I'm carding signs somewhere or t-shirts or lit drops or whatever. It just, it really... That's is another another option to think. I don't about. know why I never really thought about trailers. Yeah, trailers before. are rad. There's like, I mean, I like what I like about a trailer is I don't always want a cargo bike. Like sometimes I just want to hop on and go someplace and not have it. I mean, when it's electric, it's a lot easier. You don't have to worry about you know that much more effort. But yeah. it's just nice to ditch the extra when you don't need it. Try my trailer. <laughs> hmm. Maybe I'll just buy a fat bike and a trailer then. See, there you go. <laughs> more options to think about. Although the spacing on a fat bike, the the width on the rear axle might not work with my trailer. That's true. I'd have to buy that. They have the adapters, though. It's true. So I could get that. Yeah. So mm. many options. So many options. Although I kind of now, you know, thinking about trailers, maybe I should just get one of those Lamondi bikes because they're so pretty. They're there you so go. pretty. Get that, and then you get a trailer. Do they have, I don't know which, I haven't looked at them. Do they have disc brakes? Because that's the yeah. one thing I, yeah. Hydraulic disc brakes. There they're full carbon fiber. They're Whoa. new. So Greg LeMond, apparently his carbon fiber company, they developed this whole new carbon fiber method that actually is like way safer and is almost fail proof. Hmm. And he's the only one that has a patent on the technology because his carbon fiber company created it. And now he's starting a bike company. There you go. Um, his own, not just through Trek like it used to oh, be. Oh yeah, because they used to have a, yeah. a deal. Until Lance Armstrong. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, then I vote yes to the Le Mans because you could also probably get the shop discount plus then you could get a trailer and then you could have all of your dreams come true. And it would still be like a fast, fun bike, which I think oh, yeah. you kind of need in your life. Yeah. Great. We're done. This Figured is, it out. This is the Check. podcast. Yeah. Okay, yay. And that does it for this episode of Car Free Midwest. We're here every other week with interviews, topics, and documentary pieces covering all things transportation. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Car Free Midwest or visit us at carfreemidwest.com. So subscribe now to Car Free Midwest wherever you listen to podcasts and support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash carfreemidwest. This is a production of Figure Podcasts with support from Mode Shift Omaha. This is a production of Figure Podcasts. For more information, visit figurepodcasts.com.